welcome murder fans, welcome writers and aspiring writers to Murder Inc, the art of writing crime, with me, your host, award-winning crime author, Keith Wright. I'm the author of the Inspector Stark series of crime novels, and you are listening to episode nine, Noises Off. So, in this podcast, I'm talking about storytelling, not just writing per se. Some of the general observations will suit people perfectly fine if they're from another genre. So, whilst it's called the art of writing crime, as we know, there are many similarities and generalisations, general tips that are useful for any type of writing. So, by all means, uh, give it a listen. If it suits you, then... uh, that's great stuff. That's brilliant. Remember, this is just me giving you my views. It's your book that you're going to write or you're in the middle of writing. Um, you decide what advice you listen to and what you want to ignore. And, uh, and that's all well and good, is it not? So here's what's going to happen. Um, usual plan. I'm going to read a short passage from one of my books and then we're going to dissect it and talk through why I've used those words or phrases, the overall content, and hit on some themes um, as we go through. You know, every every word you write is for a reason, and every word counts. All you've got to do is sit back, listen, enjoy, hopefully, and maybe pick up something that you can add to your style. You don't have to take everything literally, just soak bits in that appeal to you, I know some of you make notes, which is fine and great. Um, I'm just here trying to support people getting into writing. And um, I had people help me when I started, um, professionals in the trade. And uh, it's only right that I try and pass some of that love on uh, to you guys and girls. Secrets. There are no secrets. It comes from your damn soul if you just let it. It's very true. No real um, trigger warnings today. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's anything too contentious or anything that's going to blow your socks off uh, or worry you at all. So it's called Noises Off, this episode. Why? Well, I wanted to address those places in a book where you take the characters out of that roaring river. Where you take them to another space, another place away from the bullets, the knives, away from the kisses and the romancing or whatever it is you write. So it's when you take the characters away out of almost the main theme, you always take them to one side. And so I wanted to talk about that and and how to do it, what you might get from doing that. Because when you take them into a separate space, then it gives us a chance to do a few things, really. So it enables us to see the characters in a different light, or outside the comfort zone, or they might just be relaxed. But if the characters play a role, say a detective, or a criminal even, um, or, you know, Lord Fondleroy, or whatever it is, we all put this face on, don't we? And they're playing a role. But by taking them out of that, helps us to get uh, scrape a little bit of uh, that covering off 
and we can see, see the characters in a bit more detail perhaps and explore or reveal something about them that uh, perhaps might surprise the reader. Because we can hear their unguarded thoughts, maybe about a given situation or in general. We can recap or underline an important issue for the reader without any other distractions going on round about. And we can change the tempo of the novel and ease the tension or suspense. You know, this is uh, basic, isn't it? And that's okay. But we don't, you don't want a novel that's going at 900 miles an hour continually. That's no good. Um, it needs to be up and down, up and down, and paced. In a, done in, done in, a, in a nice rhythm and a nice pace overall. So these is this is one of the ways of doing that, I guess. Um, I mean, one other way, one of the benefit is is to give your reader a chance to recover uh, from a shocking scene, uh, help them catch their breath a little bit, um, and that's it's that's always good for them to, as I say, get out of the. You know, we're trying to create emotions, aren't we, within the reader's head, um, but sometimes we all need to let that sink in. And that's part of the enjoyment, as I say. If, if, if you don't allow that to happen, it can lose its impact. Um, and, of course, you get no real pace and breadth and rhythm to the novel. And you can it's a space where you can change the course of the story, if you so desire. If it's one of those novels where you, you've got multiple uh, pathways and you've come to a fork in the road, and you think, well, actually, I'm going to veer a little bit left here on this story. And you might want to do it gently, or you might want to scream the brakes on, do a handbrake turn, and uh, throw them off and uh, jiggle them around in the motor vehicle a little while. But it gives you that chance to change the course of the story because you're kind of taking them to a neutral place. And um, usually it's, it's better to ease into it, I would suggest. And... Um, let them realise further down that path that, that actually the course of the story has changed rather than um, seeing the fork in the road as they approach. Dependent on the circumstances, of course. Of course. But uh, anyway, the most important, probably, of those is, uh, I guess, the chance to see the character out of character. Albeit in character, if you see what I mean. <laughs> but, you know, away from their, their, their facade. And I think that's a really useful thing to do and an interesting thing to do. And it helps bond the reader with the characters. Um, and then also, as I've said, probably really important to change that pace and tempo a little. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you, you're up to ease and, and, and to take them in that other direction, to take them to the next shocking scene, exciting scene or whatever. So let's think about this, this space we're going to take them to. I'll read this um, passage. In, uh, this is in uh, One Oblique One, which is my first novel. Um, and let, let's just read the passage and then I'll talk about it and we'll, we'll talk about what, it, what perhaps an innocuous scene looks like. <clears throat> um, dear Frog in my throat. 
Here we go. So Nobby placed the chicken fried rice in the microwave in the brightly lit kitchen. What do you reckon then, boss? He asked, pressing the digits on the control panel and watching the turntable burst into life. No idea, Nobby. What about you? What do you think? Stark plonked himself down at the white table. I don't know, it could be him, but I'm not really feeling it. I, I tend to think it's not his style. Stark grimaced. Could be isn't going to be enough. It's the rape thing that bothers me. If it was a rape. You think she consented to Stan Tyndall? I can't see that. We're making it fit, Nobby, Stark said. That does not feel right. More than one offender, perhaps, boss? Nobby offered. We need a lever on him, Nobby. We've got him overnight, at least. The kitchen door opened and a man asked for Detective Inspector Stark. That's me. The microwave pinged. A callow-looking youth of about 21 in a summery shirt introduced himself. I'm Pete Bloomfield from Scenes of Crime. Do you want the good news or the bad news? Give me some good news. I could use it. Your man Tyndall isn't the murderer, I'm afraid. It was a bold statement to make, and he appeared almost apologetic as he blurted it out. You what? And how do you know that, might I ask? Stark inquired. The report from Forensic. They did it as a rush job. It doesn't take long if it's a negative. It's categorical. There's no break-in at the house. The murderer had chipped away at the window while it was open. It's a setup. Forensic have studied the plaster cast and photos of the mark. The window wasn't forced. It's, it's definite. Give me the report. Stark barked his orders. He studied it and got to the findings at the foot of page four. Oh, shit, a break. He handed the report to Nobby, who was busy serving the Chinese meal. Bloomfield continued his explanation. So the murderer was either invited in or he conned his way in. He certainly didn't force any windows or doors. Well, doesn't mean Tyndall hasn't done it. Stark's determined interviewing mode was still switched on and hadn't returned to normality. Come on, boss, said Nobby. Tyndall didn't even know the Marriott's. It's not his way and the rape thing, let's face it. He's just a piss-pot burglar. Stark conceded. All right, but bail him to come back to the Nick in a couple of months' time. I still want his gear forensically checked. Get the jewellery checked out. It's bound to be nicked. Nobby went out of the room to give his instructions to someone else. He wasn't going to do it in person. His Chinese meal would get cold. Stark muttered under his breath. Right, Winston Kelly, you've got some questions to answer. Nobby returned to the kitchen and joined him at the table. The two men ate in silence, their eating habits indicative of their personalities. Stark toyed with the food, deciding which morsels he wanted on his fork, teasing the ingredients with his knife before carefully and steadfastly placing it in his mouth. Nobby, however, used only a fork, shoveling large quantities in as if there were no tomorrow. The occasional pea or piece of rice falling onto the table or floor. 
Nobby spoke with his mouth full. What are you thinking, boss? Kelly? Stark nodded and swallowed before he spoke. Yep, Kelly. Okay, there we go. So that's that little uh, section. Um, probably just said that they're just talking about to somebody they've just interviewed. Um, I think you've probably got the gist of that. So let's think about that passage and, and what say is fairly uh, straightforward. Probably aware that we've got that little change, haven't we? That little change of the pathway um, with the news that uh, it's not uh, Mr. Tyndall, the burglar, and kind of never was going to be really, was it? Um, but it's it was a it was a manoeuvre that they made to take them along that particular path, and usually one path leads to another. Um, so the setting, for example, so the setting of that space is quite important because so for in this instance it happened to be like a staff kitchen, wasn't it? A place most of us can identify with, but notably not. Um, not those other places that we've been using throughout the stories thus far um, because you know we're subliminally saying this is a separate thing this is off this is off camera sort of thing this is off noise is off it's not it's not real is it it's not this isn't part of the story but it, of, course, of course it is but you see my point I hope so yeah a private place away um, from anyone but two trusted friends you perhaps note the terminology is looser, slightly off-key perhaps from how they might speak in front of their colleagues. Um, and their interaction between the two would be that act again, that would be different in front of others, with Mr Stark being the detective inspector and Nobby the DS, and so it goes down the line from there. Um, you know, using phrases like, I'm not really feeling it, it's not his style, it's just a looser type of dialogue um, and more a more relaxed phraseology. Um, you know, we see Nobby serving the Chinese meal up, so, you know, we can almost imagine him in a little apron, odd couple style, you know, fussing around. Um, so, you know, again, out of his normal persona. Um, we see vulnerability from Stark. For perhaps for the first time in the book, um, you know, give me some good news, I could use it. It's a hint of, a little bit of hint of desperation, a little bit of hint of frustration, at least in there. Um, you know, Nobby being Nobby gives the task to someone else to bail this, this guy. Because um, he didn't want his Chinese meal to get cold. It's a little nuance, but what's important to Nobby? What's more important, um, seemingly, is Chinese meal in that moment. Um, they're all natural uh, uh, traits and flaws that uh, we all have, um, only perhaps evident in situations where we're relaxed or totally at ease rather than uh, in the normal run of the story. Um, you now, remember, many of these nuances will occur naturally in the writing. You know, all of this, particularly when you go back over a piece, and I've mentioned this before, it doesn't half seem contrived, doesn't it? Don't worry too much about that. Um, the contrived bit, if you like, comes in the editing and in the, when you're critically thinking about a piece. 
My tip would be to actually write the darn thing, but you must put yourself in that space to write it. And a lot of this will happen, I'll say by accident, it kind of isn't, but um, if you write it in that mindset, this stuff will happen. And it's only thereafter that if you want, if you're thinking about how to, you can put one or two phrases in, one or two little actions that, um, thinking about how am I going to get the best out of this scene, and that, that's when, in the edit, if you like, and in the reread and all that, that's when you can build some of these things. And, and it's more, I suppose, in that sense, contrived. But you've still got, you've kept that natural flow, um, hopefully, when you, when you do it in that way. Don't try and pick too much at it in the first draft of the writing, would be my little tip. Um, you know, it, it will come, if you're... It'll come naturally if you're living with the characters and you're immersed in that scene that you've put them in. It's your scene, you know what the hell's going on and what they're likely and what they're thinking and what they're likely to think and say um, and how you want to lower the vibe in the room from the or move it or change it from the norm so that we, we get more depth to the characters. And that's all this is doing really in that, certainly with that little tip is by changing the interaction between uh, um, solid characters, then all you're doing is giving them more depth and more, uh, more layers to the character. Um, but it's a real opportunity to do it. So one thing got, I, I would suggest you try and avoid doing is having all the traits the same. Um, so in other words, your own traits. Um, We've all got flaws, we've all got different mannerisms, different ways of going about things and reacting to set circumstances. But it can't always be you, can it? Because that's becomes predictable in, in books, particularly a series of books. You might get away with, away with it for one, perhaps. You know, you've got to act out that character, and that character will do things you wouldn't do or you'd be shocked at doing. You'd never dream of doing, perhaps. Um, that's what writing's all about. It's not just about cloning ourselves and our own values into a story, is it? It's about actually showing, my God, you know, what's that? Oh, you've got a DS, he don't even care about doing the job. He's more worried about his chicken fried rice. Um, you know, and that sort of thing. Don't don't think your people read this and think, oh, God, I agree with all that. Well, they won't do and they shouldn't do. Um, so yeah, be mindful that you don't just make all the traits yours. Um, I hope this isn't um, sounding too obvious. Um, I personally don't think it is because when I started writing, I didn't have a darn clue. So you know, I'm, and it's good to remind ourselves about these things, even the most basic things. Um, for context, this Winston Ke Kelly character we hear of at the end of the little piece. Um, is a suspect, uh, but they, they have little evidence. But we, we do see stark stoicism because we, we know about this character before leading into this piece, and he's, he's like a drug-dealing uh, pimp Rastafarian. Um, and he uh, he's in the frame, but there's nothing other than a brief connection with the girls involved in, in this little story, the young girls. And so Stark's experience tells him that when one door closes, another one will open, and that door is going to be Winston Kelly's door. Although when it opens, he'll be still behind it with a knife, as it turns out. <laughs> 
but uh, anyway, so um, he fits the picture far more than uh, Stan Tyndall the burglar did, uh, Jobber, Jobber, Jobber Tyndall. Um, so we see Stark's sort of stoicism and whilst he's clearly vulnerable and fed up and getting frustrated, is in the quietness we sense a building of um, of Kelly. That's where the focus is going to be on Kelly, and they're going to uh, see what evidence there is to get on him. Um, so note that after the the news um, that well the suspect is believed innocent. Um, I do a couple of things. So one is I stop them talking which again helps put on a different vibe into the reader's mind. And they eat in silence. So it changes the mood, but it, it also gives the next thing spoken extra gravitas, I would suggest. So it gives it greater potency. And so if, if you have a period of silence or quiet, then it gives the next thing that's said a bit more uh, of a punch. Um, and that, that will you can use that well to change course and to stamp into the reader's mind whatever, in this instance, a name, but whatever it is you, you get, that you're telling the reader. So I'm trying to clearly tell the reader, right, they're now going to go and look at this guy, this uh, semi-maniac, uh, Winston Kelly, to see if it might be him. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit like, you know, they always say when you put a prisoner... Uh, into a cell they all when you close that door they always remember the last thing you said to them and it's kind of similar to that because they've got time to sit and stew on it um so anyway i digress but uh, so this space this juncture is, is a place where we, we are changing course and by slowing it down giving that clear direction about what's changed slowing it slowing it to silence even um you're then um, the change of pace uh, for the next phase of the book is is easy to move into and comfortable and smoother. So the second opportunity uh, uh, grasped is is a way to differentiate the characters. So by by doing so, this can be done by physicality. If those that have done acting or are interested in acting, for example. Um, we all know, don't we, that um, you know, if to make to get the character, you've got to get the physicality to, to act in a role of a character. You need to get that physicality first, the physicality of the person first, and that can take some doing. How they stand, walk, what age are they? Are they fit? Are they all elderly? Are they, you know, what, you, once you've got the physicality and the mannerisms, then it's easier to play that character. And it's similar with writing. I, I, I would suggest to you. Um, there's always that you acting it out in your head, folks, um, whether we like it or not. And so, remember that the physicality element and how to send messages about the character. And I, I refer, of course, to the way the, the Chinese meal. And I perhaps, I perhaps over-punctuated it by referring to it and saying it out loud in the text. Not sure I'd do that today. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm perhaps overplaying it. Um, it, it should be gone in and it should go in anyway um, Stark is more uh, 
delicate in the way that he eats. He's more precise, whereas Nobby is just 100 miles an hour, cramming it down him. A typical Nobby, um, 100 miles an hour, uh, running through walls. Um, uh, and Stark's a picker, Nobby's a shoveler. And um, okay, so so that one act sort of encapsulates the differences between those two people, I would suggest. And um, that's always a nice opportunity to uh, do that, to fathom up some way through just a normal, uh, through normal activity, but in the way that they approach it or do it uh, or act it out, it, it shows um, something about the character or the differences between characters. So, yeah, noises off. It's just remembering it as you plot in your book and as you get into it. It's always nice at, at certain stages to just come out. If you're going to change tack, sometimes it's better doing it away from that roaring river and uh, just pull into a little bay and uh, and do it in in, a, in its own space and then it's an easier uh, easier route for you so what have we learned what have, what have i uh, gone into you know in this it's nice and, and simple in a lot of ways using noises off or this this space is a is a great way to grow the character in a different setting when they're unguarded out of the um, out of the act almost out of the plot or if you sort of mean out of the out of the strand out of the groove um, and out of that mask that we all put on to the outside world and it is worth remembering that remember with the character building that we all have multiple masks it's not just um, one dimensional character we're all different in different settings. We're different when we talk to um, senior people, for example, aren't we? And when we talk to, I'll say subordinate, it's an old word, but you know what I mean. Um, so we, 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 we're reacting. So remember that, those layers in your characters. Um, it's a good time to change the course of the story, to change the pathway as an adjunct to, to go in a, in, a, in, a, in a different direction. It's also a good stopgap to slow down the pace and, and give the reader a little bit of a breather after some key action. And you can make it all of these things. And finally, it's also a good place to uh, tell the reader something important. Don't have them guessing too much about where we're all going because that can turn somebody off. You don't have to tell them everything, do you, of course? But it, it, it's good to know when you're reading a book, you say, oh, what's this about? And where are we going with this? I think it takes you out of the bubble a little bit. Um, um, so, But if you tell them when there's nothing else really going on, I think that that gives a real um, opportunity to embed that into the reader's uh, consciousness. And they're com comfortable in going forward, not uh, not confused and not second-guessing what's happening. OK, that's it for this one. I hope you've picked up a few bits there, uh, whether about characterisation, whether about the space that you can take the characters to. Um, I like to think that um, everybody's getting something from it, or it, it, even a reminder, perhaps. Um, you can ask me any question you like, remember that. You can always give me a will. Give me a rating if you're so inclined. 
I hope you've enjoyed it and got something from it. You know I enjoy doing it. I really do. Thank you for listening to Murder, Inc. The Art of Writing Crime. And I'm going to see you next time.